0: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
2: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify.
0: Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable, free-form discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers from Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my wonderful co-hosts with me today. First up, he's the other lore columnist over at Blizzard Watch. That would be Matt Rossi. Hey, Rossi.
1: Hello. How's it going? It's very hard to find my push-to-talk button. That's how it's going. <laughs>
0: Well, I'll tell you what, you can sort that part out, and I'll go ahead and introduce our other co-host. He's a shaman columnist, but he's also a lore aficionado as well, and that would be Joe Perez, eh, Joe?
2: Well, hello, everybody. I have discovered a magic paint this week called Liquid Chrome that actually looks like a mirrored finish coming out of a paint pen. It I, is ridiculous.
0: I saw pictures of that on your Twitter. It looks like... Well, it looks like chrome, really. Yeah,
2: so it's one of the coolest things because is that
0: an acrylic or is it a?
2: It, it's it's a uh, mineral based. It okay. is it is definitely an oil based. But like the interesting thing to me is like that that is like the holy grail of like miniature painting. Well, yeah. Is because chrome is such a pain in the the the, the dupa to like mimic on such a small scale. On... And now if you just do that, and it's like there you go. Here's just yeah, actual on... chrome. It's like on a really Ugh.
0: really tiny scale like that because you don't think about how small those miniatures are. Who was it? One of the other guys that does a lot of the miniature stuff works for Blizzard. I, he posted a... Craig? Yeah, Craig. He posted a figure that he was going to be working on today that had like all kinds of intricate little folds and this robe thing and uh, little bits and bobs and pieces. And he he posted a photo of his hand I'm assuming it's his mm-hmm. hand holding it and it was like barely bigger than his thumb. <laughs>
2: It's so so, fun, so fun. Fun story. That that's actually how how Craig and I started talking. It wasn't yeah. had nothing to do with Blizzard. It was all about like I I posted something about painting miniatures in a group that he was also a part of. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's crazy and I, it's it's one of my favorite hobbies that doesn't like and and I we talked about this way long ago. There's a dude in the community too that has been making Warcraft miniatures out of his game pieces. Ooh. So like. We have like somebody who's making like actual torn models and actual like troll models and and doing all of this cool stuff for his armies. And now it's, is he doing three D
0: printing or is he actually like he's
2: sculpting it? Like sculpting. he's actually okay. taking he's actually taking like real miniatures and using what's called green stuff, which is a, a two part epoxy. Yeah, um, and I've used that before. It's
0: awful, but handy. I love it. <laughs> it sticks to my fingers a lot. I had to yes. keep my finger. I use it for like doll work and stuff like that. Um, same thing though. It, it's that two part. The stuff that I use is gray, but it's the same thing where it's like there's yeah, two yeah, pieces yeah. and you have to mush them together. Yeah. Anyway, um, works really well though.
2: Indeed, it really does, and that's where like I could I could go on and on about this type of stuff. And if anybody out there and in, in that's listening to the podcast ever wants to talk about miniatures or, or painting or or stuff like that, hit me up. I'm always I'm always game for that as well. Not just lore.
0: And you can follow Joe on Twitter at.
2: At loader, Z-J, L-O-D-U-R-Z-J
0: There you go Alright, Rossi, have you got the push-to-talk sorted out? More or less More or less, alright So today, we're going to talk about I know it came out like a couple of weeks ago, guys But since we record on a bi-weekly schedule <laughs> We don't get a chance to talk about it immediately uh, Chronicle, Volume 3 came out And I think all three of us have a One of us is digital and the other two Do you have a digital copy or did you get the hardcover, Joe?
2: Oh, no, I have the I have the hardcover so I can smell the pages.
0: <laughs> um, hey, I know
2: that's such a weird thing to say, but I just love the smell of, like, books.
0: No, if they had that as a perfume, I would probably wear it every single day. <laughs> <laughs> this is part of the reason why I like old bookstores. I'm like, mmm, old bookstore mm-hmm. funk. This place smells great. Anyway, yes. uh, Chronicle, Volume 3 came out. And according to Amazon, this is, like, Volume 3 of 3, which is weird to me, because it ends on a very definitive, to be continued, we've heard nothing no, no, about a volume
1: four. That's just what they do at a certain point when they have a series. They don't, they they don't know, so they just say three of three. Well, yeah. Here's,
0: yeah. here's the deal, Rossi, is it's not just Amazon. Amazon said three of three, and then a couple of other places that were talking about the book, and, and they had like previews of the book and everything, were saying that this is the final installment. And I'm like...
2: I... Yeah, but I but not think I wonder this is if...
0: the final installment, because, like I said, it ended with that to be continued.
2: I'm kind of with Rossi on this one, though. I'm wondering how many of those places are keen off the listings, though. Maybe. Because Amazon isn't the only place that does that, like Barnes & Noble or anywhere else that sells books when they're private. Like, since... They do the same thing. I figured right?
0: since they were releasing like preview pages and the like that they knew, because they had like the previews from Blizzard to, to go ahead and like put out there and write up or whatever... But...
1: Until I hear Blizzard say it's the last one, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not going to worry about it. Um, I would I'm also like it to not be the last be continued one.
2: Thing. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sold on that. Being, I would, you know, I would official. very much
0: like it not to be the last one because um, there's still so much left to cover. But speaking of things and covering things, Chronicle Volume Three covered a whole mess of stuff because we got, well, we got. Warcraft 3 and then we got the Frozen Throne so we got the entirety of the third war there and then we also got World of Warcraft, Burning Crusade, Wrath of the Lich King and Cataclysm all in what like 190 pages 200 pages something like that
2: yeah yeah like pretty well condensed
0: pretty well condensed so I guess we'll just go ahead and leave this off with a big what'd you guys think of it Rossi
1: I like that High Lord Cruel is now permanently canon (laughs) <laughs> He's one of my favoritely named characters, High Lord Cruel. I remember when he first brought High Lord Cruel into the game, and my first response was- w- w- who n- who's left after him overlord mean like what <laughs> we got what we got coming guys General Krabby <laughs> yeah, all these things will be spelled messed up, kind of sassy. And... No, they're just all gonna be upset. It's like it's like dwarves, but you know instead of the seven dwarves, it's the seven evil demons, cruel, mean, surly. Snarler. Crabby. Why? And um peeved. Peeved is a good one. P, P-, <laughs> P apostrophe E E apostrophe V.
0: Yeah, there's like. E. There's like. Or just P apostrophe V E E D. He's <laughs> like, <it's> just <laughs> Something like that. All right. Joe, That's what did a- you think?
2: I- Honestly, I really enjoyed it. um I felt that. It was maybe too compressed in some parts.
0: That was what I was going to ask both of you, actually. Did you feel like it was... Because, I mean, obviously we're dealing with the the final RTS game, which is arguably the largest of the three RTS games, because between it and the expansion, there was a whole mess of story, like way more story than we had ever gotten in Warcraft 1 or Warcraft 2. Um, And then beyond that, we had... World of Warcraft and three expansions, like on top of that, all crammed into this one book. So do you guys feel like it was rushed in any way or hurried or were you happy with the scope, like the depth of coverage? One thing
1: That's I a... noticed, um, sorry, Joe. Uh, no, no, go up? ahead. Go ahead. Uh, one thing I noticed is that because of the elision necessary to compress this much, um, a lot of people seem to think stuff was retconned. When it just wasn't mentioned.
0: Yeah, that's mm-hmm. yeah, that's... I was just
2: gonna say that too, yeah.
0: And I talked about that in the last Know Your Lore that I wrote last week. I talked about the not quite retcons of Chronicle three. You can go read that on the website if you haven't done that. It's under the know your lore category. But um the book was it seems like it seems like what we got here was we got a book that went into it kind of assuming that we knew pretty much everything already about World of Warcraft and, you know, Burning Crusade, Wrath, like generally speaking, by and large, anybody picking up this book is somebody who has played through those expansions already. So a lot of the major beats were just kind of glossed over because we know about all that stuff already. We don't really need it chronicled. We have it all, you know, up here in our heads.
1: The one thing that came to mind for me was... People were like, oh, they changed like how uh, Day of the Dragon was. It says here that Ronan recruited his friends, but he wasn't friends with them until after the tra- it's like, guys, guys, guys. That would have had to take an entire book to explain. hmm They're 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 it book. It's called Day of the Dragon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the book in reference, the, that's that's a it's a few hundred pages. It's they're they're giving it to you in like a bite. They're not talking about, you know, met on the road, you know we slowly became friends, eventually fell in love. None of that. That's, that's just, this is getting glossed. It's getting heavily glossed. It, so. it read,
2: it Wrote read it more. And Falstad
0: me. fell in love. No.
2: Yes, yeah. they did. And it <laughs> really? was
1: beautiful.
0: It was beautiful.
2: Uh, it, it reads more like an in indices than anything else. And, and I'm, I'm not upset about that per se, uh, because if anything else, the Chronicles, uh, make a great reference thing for us as reference books, Right. Or, or for anybody who's interested in it, where maybe the full details exist in other media, uh, you know, like we're just talking about, like Day of the Dragon or, you know, any wolfheart or any other number of, of wonderful books that are out there. But these sort of condense them into one location. It's, it's almost like um, a more focused Wowpedia, Really, I was going to say of, it's like
0: Wowpedia, the book. only we don't have um, all of the little appendices that say this was sourced from this novel, which Wowpedia does, and I don't know about you guys, but when I'm typically, when I'm doing lore-related stuff and looking up lore-related stuff, Wowpedia, I will use Wowpedia, but half the time I'll use it so that I can go in look for the relevant piece and then figure out which that's of the books in my library I have to pull out and look up
2: <laughs> see and, and that's what I do for, and for the reason that wikipedia has one disadvantage uh, compared to like the Chronicles, which is Wildpedia does cite all those sources, but it also cites all of the non-canon sources. It it's... literally is everything that's ever been produced on that topic is linked in that page.
0: And don't Whereas, get me wrong. Like, I like good. Wildpedia. I love Absolutely. Wildpedia, particularly since it does list sources. But the other thing that you have to remember with Wildpedia is this is all this is not that site is not run by blizzard it isn't edited right. by blizzard or anything like that so the stuff that's in it sometimes it's correct sometimes it's like this is somebody's opinion about a thing you know mm-hmm. and you're not you're never quite certain which one it is which is why i usually go in and i look at the sources and grab the and go back. material yep. say so, in um, the same it's... thing and, and that's
2: what one of the thinking? things i like about chronicles is that you don't have to worry about that because it is official yeah. right Frosty, uh, one, you thing I did
1: notice, uh, one thing i did notice here though that i actually liked is that there's stuff that doesn't exist anywhere else that they expanded and, and, and gave us more on. Um, one example is Cho'Gall's role in things. We oh, yeah. We did a lot more. Yes. They, oh. they did yep, yep, actually.
0: Yep, yep, um, yep. Um, we're going to go over some emails today. We had a few different emails. And um, one of the questions that we had came from Patreon or not Patreon, Discord. Um, well, it came from a patron asking on Discord, um, Pitya who said, Chogal or Moira, who gained more from Chronicle? And that kind of ties into what you were talking about there, Rossi, where both of those characters got kind of some expanded lore in yeah. Chronicle where they didn't yeah, have absolutely. it before. Um, talk about Chogal though. Let's let's talk about Cho Chogal, because Chogall well, is a lot more relevant
1: than we thought.
2: Especially yeah, coming uh, up, yep.
1: The the thing about Chogal in, in Chronicle three is it builds on what they said in Chronicle Two. Chronicle Two, one of the things they did was establish Cho'gall's back, his motivation, and why he was doing what he was doing, and in a way, it tied into the stuff we saw in World of Draenor. So yeah. that whilst whilst that's a different world, it was a lot more similar than we thought. And Cho'gall was always kind of in contact with the Void, and he, he, it was because of the similar situation. It was because of his of Ashagun and so forth. Uh, but in in three. You get the idea of like what was really going on with Cho'Gal and the Twilight Hammer cult um, when it was before it was a cult. It was the Twilight Hammer clan. It was a group of various pale orcs and other figures who had joined up and served Cho'Gal and through Cho'Gal served the Void. When they got to Azeroth, the Void was much stronger because there were like multiple old gods here, and they kind of went cuckoo for cocoa puffs, but. At the same time, you know, they they had a, like, got much...
0: so happy because there was so much void and chaos and everything else on yeah. this planet that he was just like, yay. Um, Since
1: during like the he's kind of behind the scenes, like he, he, don't, he doesn't pop up in Warcraft three, you don't see him. But in the book, you find out that whilst all the other stuff was going on after Gul'dan got himself good and killed in the in the Tomb of Sargeras, Chogal lit out for um, Kalimdor
0: he took off uh, um i feel like this is also the point where we should point out the one very definitive retcon in this book like absolutely this was a retcon medan doesn't exist he's not yep he's no not man. he's nowhere and i we talked about this a little bit i think it was like was it last episode i think it was last episode or the episode before. probably at least when mentioned we, it when we were talking about the preview stuff one of the things that we mentioned was medan shows up he shows up in the appendix in the back of the book there and it's list his name and then that lists the page number is 404. There is no number 404. It's 404, not found. Um Medan's very deliberately, he is not in this book. There is no mention made of Garona and Medivh ever having a romantic relationship. In fact, Garona has been reallocated elsewhere and she's concentrating on doing other things. And I think it worked a lot better, but her story ties into Cho'Gall. That's why yeah. I brought that up.
1: Cho'Gall, basically he heads, he lights out for Kalimdor because... um of all the old gods, one of them is currently active. When he when he's uh, looking for them, one of them is in Silithus, so mm-hmm. he starts heading for Kalimdor to go there. As he gets to Kalimdor, he's thinking, "Okay, I'm scot free. Nobody even knows who I am. I can just I can me and my followers can head south and we'll we'll be fine." But he finds out he's wrong because Garona has following them and is killing his followers one by one. She's picking them off and assassinating them so he has to he's basically basically making the trip south in kalimdor trying to avoid the night elves trying to avoid the Torn, the anybody who's native to kalimdor because this is before the third war this is before orcs show up this is before the trolls show up um he's heading south trying to keep a low profile while she's murdering his people and she's killing them they i think they actually get to Silithus before the final the, he confronts her uh she chases them out of like a of a cave complex that they're in uh, she's, like, killing them, like, one by one, and they can't stop her. Finally, Chogal manages to lure her into an ambush, and she almost kills him. Like, toe-to-toe, almost. and she almost kills him. But yeah. he, he knows the magic that they use, the Shadow Council used to bind her. So while they're fighting, he's actually secretly working to reactivate it, and he gets her back under control, uh, and therefore uses her as a weapon later to help destabilize things. Because that's Chogal's deal. He wants to keep things on a chaotic royal. He doesn't want uh, the Horde and Alliance to ever achieve anything like a peace or detente um, because that would reduce the chaos and he wants it increased.
0: And actually, and- it it worked out pretty well how they handled this because it was just mm. he caught her, he reactivated her, and then if you've ever read the Warcraft comics, there's that peace summit between Varian and Thrall at Theramore, and Corona shows up because she's being compelled to assassinate Varian like that's why she was sent there um, and that actually plays out in Chronicle just like it did in the comics the only difference being there's no Madan, and once everything is all said and done um, and she regains her senses she takes off to go where we eventually found her in the Twilight Highlands like she's still on Cho'Gall's tail so The Medan stuff, yes, it was taken out, but it was done so in such a way that it's actually, it was really elegantly done, I think.
1: Plus, it it also gives Cho'Gal more of a role. Yeah, it does. Um, Cho'Gal is the one who woke up C'Thun. C'Thun was kind of in a half-dreaming state. Cho'Gal went in and woke him up. He basically sacrificed all the followers that Garuna didn't kill, he sacrificed to wake up uh, Cthulhu because they couldn't handle the full mind of the old God touching them. And Cho'Gal could because he was already, you know, completely insane. So was was he could sure go But I'm sure that they
0: here? didn't mind being sacrificed because they were all kind of a little Lulu
1: anyway. If they did mind, who cares? More uh, yeah. where that comes from. Yeah. Uh, but then the better part here is that Cho'Gal then goes north to Northrend. And while basically the vanilla and the burning crusade, like we're, it's literally during burning crusade, vanilla happens, he reses C'Thun and takes off. We we deal with Cthulhu, but you know the Burning Crusade is going on. He's already left. He's already headed north because Cthulhu, living or dying, isn't of importance. It's not like you can really. Only one being has ever successfully killed an old god. If they they get beaten, it's not that it's not the end of the world for them. Um, he's meanwhile heading north because he's got another old god to free and literally everything that happens in Oldwar is after chogal gets there that's why there's twilight hammer cultists around the the yog-saron chamber because he leads them in he strolled they...
0: right in too because mm-hmm. at this point Loken had already done his held up his end of the bargain and kind of subdued all of the watchers
1: yeah the titan forged except for uh, thorum the yep. Titanforge were al- already pretty much dealt with. Thorin was brooding and wasn't paying attention. The Frost Giants were off, you know, angry that Thorin had like killed their their leader and everything. So a lot of the support was gone, and the ones that weren't gone were firmly under Lokan's control, so Cho'Gal just walked on in and broke the, the chains binding Yogg-Saron. If you go into the, the Yogg-Saron chamber and you see those broken chains, those are the ones he broke. Like, he walks in that, breaks that chain and breaks the chains.
0: That was Cho'Gal. That was Cho'Gal that did that. We didn't know.
2: It was just kind of a yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Like it, it was just there.
0: a. It was just a. Whoops! Old God has been freed. We assumed. Well, I don't think I'd ever really thought about how he got free. I just sort of assumed that you know.
2: He wiggled himself free, kind of. He wiggled like, himself I think we all free, did. free. Yeah,
0: because uh, you know, given any significant period of time, they're going to work their way free of their chains or whatever. Okay, that's fine. See, I
2: kind of. I, I and I like that. I like that they did that because that's one of those things that like we just assumed that the old gods kind of like were doing this all themselves and the idea that they aren't, it sort of, I, I don't want to say it, it makes them less daunting, but it, it's, it's almost adds to their menace because they still had enough influence while chained in a position that they couldn't get out of themselves to like call and get somebody to come and free them. And I think that's kind of cool. I think that's really nifty.
1: There's also, um, since we, since Moira was mentioned, there's a lot of stuff with Moira too, and it actually is very interesting as well. Um, I think you probably, Ian, you're probably going to want to talk about it, right?
0: Yeah. Well, the way, they set things up with Moira, a lot more than we'd ever seen, because we've gotten like little bits and pieces about Moira in um, yeah, the scenario, and Don't she forget was that too. in the scenario and everything. But I mean, she had first been introduced in Vanilla World of Warcraft when we were sent to go rescue her. Um, well, if you were Alliance side, no, actually. Horde side too. You were sent to go rescue her. For the Horde anyway, it was to try and improve relations with Ironforge. Because Thrall was kind of hoping that if we, you know, if we did the King of the Dwarves of Solid and rescued his daughter... They'd leave us alone. Then maybe, you know, they would kind of... They'd see that the Horde didn't really mean any, like, major harm or anything like that. So when we saw Moira, she was at the side of her husband, who we promptly killed, and then she got real mad and told us to get out, and that she actually, like, loved the guy, and also she was going to have his son. So that all kind of blew up in the face of the Horde, and the Alliance both, really. Um, And we didn't hear anything from Moira after that until she showed up at Cataclysm after her father was, you know, Magni was diamondified, essentially, um, by that ritual. And she showed up to claim the throne, which, fair point was rightfully hers to begin with i mean she was she was the next in line so it was hers to take um but she also knew that being a dark iron dwarf or being allied with a dark iron being the wife you know she's kind of the empress of the dark iron at this point because um, her husband died that left her until her son is old enough to lead them she's it um so what's interesting is that chronicle kind of goes over the fallout what happened after we left after she yelled at us and said get out because the dark iron were kind of in pieces at that point we had basically mowed our way through black rock city and murdered all of these dwarves and then we killed their ruler and just left and left them with nobody except for moira And they didn't necessarily trust Moira or stand behind her 100% because she was still a bronze beard. I mean, yes, she had married their emperor. Yes, she was carrying the emperor's child, but she wasn't exactly who they thought of as a leader she just kind of fallen into that position so she had to establish herself and she did this really really cleverly now one of the things that chronicle does and i've heard mixed reactions on this i think it's actually pretty cool uh chronicle goes through and establishes raid by raid which faction killed which r- raid and and why like why they were there so we have like canon answers to was it the horde or alliance that went in and you know defeated C'Thun or whatever you know there, there's like explanations for all of it what's also interesting is that the setup for this is kind of expanded upon as well Moira knew that the Dark Iron without a leader and, and being as chaotic as they were after Thesarian's death they were still very firmly under the thumb of Ragnaros and the Fire Elementals and the Fire Lord like they were still kind of enslaved and Moira wanted to put a stop to that So she decided to throw some rumors out there, general rumor mill, thinking, well, you know, if these heroes came in and managed to bulldoze the city once, maybe they'll go in and bulldoze the Fire Lord for me. That'd be great. So she puts out these rumors about Ragnaros being summoned into Azeroth and, you know, also there's lots of treasure down there in case, you know, wow all these tales about the vaunted molten core, people should go in there and totally explore and everything and, and, and get rid of all the stuff and claim all the treasure. She caught the attention not of the Alliance and not of the Horde, but of the Hydraxian Waterlords, who were very keenly interested in putting a stop to Ragnaros's return. And this was all in vanilla, like this played out in vanilla. If you raided molten core, you had to go get the aqua, aqua quintessence is that what it's called?
2: Yeah, something like that.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you had to. Your raiders had to. Basically, essence of water, basically. Yeah, it, it, it's an essence of water. It's from it's from the Hydraxian Water Lords. You had to go all the way out to Ashara to a tiny little island with a dude on there, Lord Hydraxus, who who would like. <laughs> As you leveled up your reputation with these guys, he would give you a better and better seal. But usually what he would do is he would give you one seal and you could use it for one room rune and then it would expire. And if you got to the point where your reputation was high enough with them, he'd give you one that lasted forever. So you could use it multiple times over and you am... wouldn't have to travel out to the stupid island every week.
2: I still have my... my... Eternal one from Exalted yep.
0: Hydraxian <laughs> Yep. I have, I have that feat of strength <laughs> on two characters. I have that feat yep. of strength. Anyway, so this was all Moira's doing. Us going in for the Hydraxian Warlord, Waterlords and, and destroying Ragnaros and keeping him from coming back, that was Moira's doing. Mm-hmm. And once we did that, the Dark Iron were free. They were no longer being subjugated buy the fire elementals or, or or by Ragnaros or any of that, they were free to do their own thing, sort of, because the next thing that they had to contend with, I mean, they weren't the only people in Blackrock Spire. There was also those orcs upstairs to contend with, the ones that were allying with the Black Dragonflight, and she figured, well, you know, those guys did such a good job of clearing out all these fire elementals, I bet you if I said that Blackhand is upstairs there touting himself as the leader of the true Horde and let that fly over to Kalimdor, they might do something about it. Sure enough, rumors got over to Kalimdor. Thrall heard this and said, are you kidding me? No, my Horde is the Horde. These, these, these guys are like imposters. We need to get rid of them. And he sent a bunch of Horde people to clear out Blackwick Lair. <laughs> so by the time, first off, By the time she engineered Ragnaros's fall, right, once she did that, the Dark Iron kind of like stood up and took a second look at her and said, oh, okay, you mean business lady. By the time they cleared out Blackrock Spire, like she had gotten them to clear out Blackrock Spire for her. And keep in mind that she did this primarily. She had other people do it for her because the Dark Iron were already kind of decimated by these people cuz we killed a lot, a really lot
2: decimated, of them we... but like also in disarray like Yeah,
0: didn't... we we killed a lot of them when we went downstairs when we went into the city and we and we you know killed the emperor and all of that. The last thing she wanted was to lose any more of her people. But, you know, as far as us invaders went, yeah, if we wanted to go upstairs and throw ourselves repeatedly at a black dragon and die several times over because of it, hey, that's no big loss. At least it's not the dark iron. So by the time Nefarian got taken care of, the Dark Iron were 100% on Moira's side and they were like, yeah, lady, we will follow you wherever you want to lead us that's cool Go ahead until,
2: until cataclysm.
0: <laughs> until cataclysm, and there were still, you know, there were still detractors because there's always going to be detractors. But there were, she she got a really strong following out of both of those things. And she did what yeah. I appreciated in Chronicle was that it helped kind of round out her story because we had the girl who protested the fact that we had just killed her husband, and we were like, "Oops, sorry." And then she came back later and tried to take over Ironforge. And, and that whole interim, we didn't really get a lot of that interim. Not in game, anyway. We got little bits and pieces, like hints of what had happened to lead up to that point. In, um which one was that? The Shattering? Yeah, the Shattering. When Anduin got trapped in Ironforge because Moira put the place on shutdown. Which she kind of had to do. Because, yes, she, she, that was rightfully her throne to take but that didn't mean that the bronze beard felt the same way. It didn't mean that anybody in Ironforge felt the same way, especially not since she had, oh, I don't know, an army of dark iron at her back who were intensely loyal to her. She was essentially, like, the daughter of one clan and the leader of another clan and trying to bring them together and she knew that this wasn't going to be something that they were just going to take sitting down or anything, so she put the place on shutdown. Um, we got caught in the middle of that, but Regardless, I I really like that they expanded on all of this, is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I think basically... Oh, sorry, Joe.
2: I was going to say, I really enjoyed that, too, because Moira has always been one of my favorite characters, just in general. And the idea of showing her intelligence, not just her being a harsh and cruel leader like we expected. Because that's that's one of the things that the game did with Dark Iron Dwarves in particular is, you know, Theresean was a, a... painted as a tyrant right and then when Moira took over from the outside because you don't see all the machinations you just assume she's going to also be that same level of tyrant to try to keep the dark irons in line that they're bloodthirsty people and they're you know they're she's just going to wind up leading them against the other dwarves at some point point. and then that doesn't happen and it's like why doesn't that happen is it just because she's you know the daughter of you know one clan she's the you know the the heir of a clan but you start to see more of her intelligence in this. You start to see more of the decision-making in her threat assessment, for lack of a better term. And I think that's really important because she was like, I'm not going to succeed in what I need to do unless I do things this way. And this will work. And I like that. I really, really, really she like is,
0: She is tactically kind of astounding. Like, she, she did tactically that. Tactically and politically. <laughs> Tactically and politically both. I mean, uh, I don't know. Well, politically could be argued because, I mean, when she moved back into Ironforge and decided to put the place on shutdown, politically speaking, that was probably not the smartest move that she could have made. It didn't yeah. exactly have a lot of... Yeah, but let's of...
1: be fair to her. When she left, when she was kidnapped by Tharson, yeah, Varian had been gone for a while. Oh, yeah. Yep. She would not have had factor. much... Yeah, she would not have had a lot of experience in how Varian Rin acts
2: or the alliance in general really at this point because I mean if you think about it like she would have just assumed that it's a dwarf matter dwarves are going to take care of it well, what nobody I'm saying else is going is to intervene it,
0: it didn't exactly put her in the best of graces with the bronze beard even when she came at, re- strolled on in and put the place on shutdown yeah, and said sure. alright yeah. you guys are going to sit here in the get along shirt until you learn how to play nice
1: I was just, I'm Moira. Things, I'm going
0: to lead you now. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> one of the things I actually though I like about Chronicle Three is not just what it does with Moira, although it certainly does it for her and, and Chogall, but it gives you background on characters you never would have expected to get a lot of background on. Um, like before, I wasn't expecting wait, to wait, get wait any wait un-
0: wait 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 Before we jump into that, and we will jump into that, let's go back to Pitya's question because we kind of covered both of the things mentioned in, in Pitya's question. Um, Chogall or Moira, who gained more from Chronicle? What do you guys think? We've heard both.
2: I'm hard pressed to choose, but if I had to, I'd probably say Chogall.
0: Rossi,
1: I'm going to disagree with Joe just because it's what I do. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but no. In in all sincerity, I think Moira gets more because Chogall. We already knew he, what he was. Like, we, yeah, they they flushed it out, but it didn't actually give Chogol any more. It just it gave
2: more, it gave us more yeah okay i can acquiesce it that gave point.
0: us more insight into the depth of what he had done not in who he was and with moira's yeah. stuff we learned more about who she was so i think that she wins out here anyway rossi you were saying other characters please
1: well here's an example of one that i never thought i'd be getting more background on n'zoth yes. chronicle actually tells you what Nazoth was thinking and planning and doing which is like Okay, didn't see that coming.
0: Well, see, here's the Uh, thing with Nazoth, and this is the part that always kind of confused me about Cataclysm. When they announced Cataclysm and they were talking about it at BlizzCon, I remember very specifically someone said, so who's the old god responsible for all of this stuff? And Metzen said, N'Zoth. We haven't met met them yet. And that's all we heard about it, was that one thing. And then through the entirety of Cataclysm, I was expecting that name to come up again. It came up again very briefly in, um, oh, the last... raid, Yeah, Dragon, Dragon Soul. Soul. When you went into Dragon Soul, a couple of the bosses in there, one of the things that they said was something, 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 because they have the mush mouth, the old god mush mouth, and they said,
1: Nazoth. <laughs> yeah, okay, so... <laughs> There's actually a translation of it. Um, there is. And it's basically something like, you know, I led the armies of Nazoth for, you know, countless eons. You know, not I don't remember exactly what he blah, said. Blah, blah, yeah, like yeah.
0: Menacing, menacing. But the thing is, is like, we never saw Nazoth ever. So, yeah, we actually get to, like, they put it in here. <laughs> so we know. Anyway, go ahead, Rossi.
1: Well, it just it, it gives you an, uh, the background on the character, like you know why he thought now was the time for the cataclysm. Why he? Because he he had he had looked at what had happened with Cthulhu and with the Sothoth and was like that this isn't how this was supposed to go. They were supposed to you know go insane and be conquered easily, not be hard to conquer. That's what? Why did why did that happen? Okay, I got a window of opportunity here, but it's closing. Uh, the the dragon aspects are gonna. Stop obsessing about their own stupid BS and start caring about me. Um, the mortals are going to repair their world and heal up. Uh, I can't have that. I need to kick off the Hour of Twilight now, like while they're weak, while everything's like, while it's good for me to do it, I have to do it now. So that was interesting. Like it's this idea of N'Zoth may have jumped the gun. Like he, he, he just, he felt like time was running out and he had to go now. That was something I never really thought about because you don't like you said we don't really see any Nazoth in the actual game, so it was new. It was new to get his background to get to get what he was thinking, like what he was doing.
0: Yeah, because we again, like I said in in Cataclysm, we just got that one little reference, and that was it. Despite all the other stuff that we saw, um, Joe, what do you think?
2: I I was surprised a little bit. Like it's just I didn't expect to hear anything more about Nazoth until. I mean I hate to say this, but like after Battle for Azroth, really. Um, so the idea that we're we're seeing more of his or its influences and what it did and how it sort of interacted in while doing all of these sort of gambits, I think is really interesting. Also because Nazoth is portrayed here, at least to me, probably like the most ambitious out of all of them. Like there's a lot of things Nazoth did, like a which lot of. Which is funny things. because
0: Zalatah refers to Nazoth as like in almost like a derogatory faction. A faction yeah, like Nazoth was the weakest of them all.
2: Which is which is funny to me because like here's Nazoth corrupting Deathwing. Here's Nazoth taking over the corruption of the Emerald Nightmare. Here's Nazoth, you know, trying to bring around the Hour of Twilight. Like he's been busy, and that does, If that's the weakest of the Old Gods, what the heck? Because that that's... Well, yeah, but if you think about it, he's
1: the most cautious of them. It's fair. Um, C'Thun decides... When C'Thun wakes up, C'Thun is, like, immediately throwing Silithid at us. Like, he's getting the Karaji together and he just throws Silithid at us as many as he can. He doesn't even, like, stop to think maybe this isn't the best idea I've ever had. He just does it. Um, Yog Saran, you know, he isn't even free yet. Like, you get the chains broken, but he's not out of that place yet. And, you know, he we, we go in and we manage to stop him in the nick of time, but... Who knows what he would have done if he'd gotten a chance, but Nazoth is the one that nobody had caught. Despite not
0: even like Yogg Saron, despite not even being free technically, and I'm air quoting here, he's not free. But his reach is so extensive that it goes all the way down to um, oh, past Grizzly Hills, south, Hollowing Fjord. There's the Whispering Gulch. Like mm-hmm. he's yeah. talking to people all the way down there on the yeah, other end tetacles, of the continent. Yeah. And there's saronite all over the place too. And yeah. he's not free. If he had been freed, what would he have been capable of? So, I oh mean, yeah, yeah.
2: But I also like, I also particularly like it because now, if if any of our the predictions of of dealing with nazoth are true in the coming expansion, it makes me curious how. I don't want to say like how dangerous, but like what that will look like because that just you, like you said, he's been free like and and we talked about this before like we woke him up we, we essentially woke him up right at the end of the emerald nightmare or at least we think we did so what does that mean what what will that manifest as and are we going to see a small section of like a black empire sort of like hit the surface finally uh, it's it's intriguing to me it really truly is
0: I can't remember if it was... I think it was on the other podcast, the regular podcast, where we were talking about various things. And Rossi, was it you or was it Mitch that said something about they fully expected at the end of Battle for Azeroth we'd be going someplace that we'd never seen before? Like another Argus kind of thing, situation?
1: It would have been Mitch. Uh, it certainly is something. Mitch. I think...
0: I, I don't... All I remember is that I said, we're going to go to Ny'alotha. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> And I still stand behind that. I don't I, I don't know I if it's going to happen or not, but it would be really cool if it did.
2: <laughs> I totally agree. I think that's probably the most logical. Okay. I mean, it's referenced so much.
0: The other thing that I really appreciated with Chronicle 3 was that it introduced the players of World of Warcraft into the story. Because we're as much a part of Azeroth's history now as any of the big-name NPCs are, really. Um, and it did so in this really elegant kind of way. There's this little passage here that I'm going to read where it was talking about the old gods. Um, it said, What the Horde and the Alliance did not realize was that this explosion of disorder was partially the work of the old gods. The entities were subtly fanning the flames of conflict to weaken the world's nations. If left unchecked, these, those small sparks would have spread to ignite a roaring wildfire of destruction. But they never had a chance to spread. It was not the legendary heroes of the past wars who rose up to fight for their world. It was the ordinary citizens of Azeroth who intervened. They began their journeys for different reasons. Some fought for adventure or for the no- noble cause of justice. Some fought for vengeance and to join the war against a hated faction. Some even fought for money and looked for ways to profit from the conflicts. Still others fought for glory so that their names would be rem- remembered by the entire world. And some traveled alone, while others formed mighty guilds that worked together to fight against the darkness as the years passed these extraordinary champions would be called upon to do the impossible without them Azeroth would surely have succumbed to evil and then it just kind of elegantly weaves us into the tale like when Moira is doing this thing where she's you know manipulating Thrall into sending mercenaries to go take care of stuff in Blackrock Spire it doesn't name anybody by name it doesn't but you know that the book is talking about players and and we're constantly referenced in here as, like, you know, heroes of Azeroth, champions of Azeroth, members of the Alliance, members of the Horde, you know, random groups, that kind of thing. It really elegantly brings us into it. And I don't know about you guys, but I really
1: appreciated
0: it's that nice it did touch. that.
2: Yeah. It's a nice touch.
0: I thought it did it did it in a really elegant kind of way. I don't know. Rossi, what did you think?
1: Uh, I, I'm the one that killed Nefaring. It wasn't the Horde. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> did it a lot um like almost on a weekly basis for a while there until he finally dropped his sword so yeah no it's it's cool um i i don't know how much of that you're really gonna I, I like the idea of they basically understand that world of warcraft is a game with like all these people playing it and they those people want to feel like they did something do you know what i'm saying like you, you yeah. spent a lot of time playing. Uh, it, you want to feel like it mattered, and since the game is written in such a way that you know all the big cutscenes are other people, like you know it's it's Illidan getting shot with laser mm-hmm. lights and you know blowing up you, you know Zera and so forth. It's nice to occasionally at least get a, like a somewhat of a reference to that 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 it's us who actually fought the you know like. It's great that Illidan got to stand there and and fight Sargeras for eternity, but I'm the one who actually had to fight Argus, man. It was me and my friends here. We we were the ones who actually had to fight Argus. You didn't even like you didn't even add in Illidan. It's not like the end of of warlords at least, you know, Gar, you know, not Garage. Grom and uh you, you know, Urel and showed up and helped. Uh it's you didn't even do that. You you were nowhere to be seen. You were like up there on the thing you and Velen, you did nothing. Uh, granted, the Titans were helping, and that was very nice of them. But you didn't. Yeah, you could. You could have showed up and thrown a couple laser bolts at that guy. So I, I did like that. The Chronicle understands that. That ultimately, the people who are doing things are us. So, yeah, I think it's it pretty cool.
0: We have time to answer a few emails. We did get a few emails from you guys in regards to Chronicle Three, and I feel like we should jump to those because I just realized we've been talking for like forty-five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Time flies.
2: It's a thing we do do.
0: (laughs) Okay so uh, our first email is From Shad who's a Blood Elf Pally from Hyjal US who says I read through Chronicle 3 from the perspective of someone Who played Warcraft 2 and 3 That delayed playing World of Warcraft until Cataclysm. I found myself not Certain which parts of Chronicle are in game Which parts are filler to explain what Happened in the game and which parts are previously Unknown material Um, Basically Shad kind of wants us To define which is which and I don't my response to that is that it would take forever to do that, like to go over it point by point and do that. But yeah. what you can take away is that Chapter 4, Old Hatreds, Chapter 5, Burning Crusade, and Chapter 6, Wrath of the Lich King, those three handle World of Warcraft, Vanilla, Burning Crusade, and Wrath of the Lich King. Um, those all involve events that happened during those while those games were out, whether it was material from quests and stuff that happened in game or material from novels and stuff or comics and things that were released over the course of that particular game. So everything in here is kind of relevant as far as what you missed while you weren't playing the game. Well, we can't really go back to vanilla right now. There's no way to do that. They are working on Warcraft Classic Um, when they do that. If you want to see what that old stuff was like, I would thoroughly, you know, recommend go give it a try, play through it, try not to, you know, beat your head against the wall in frustration once you realize that you don't get a mount at all until level 40.
2: (laughs) And it's only if you have the gold for it. It's only
1: if you have the gold for it. (laughs) Your epic mount will be at level 60, and it will cost you thousands of gold that you will not have.
0: Yeah, because there's no real, yeah, Um, we could go into that another uh, time, but regardless
2: to me the the best way i would say it is like anything that falls into those categories for you though treat them as all three like and i know that sounds kind of cheesy to say but from a player's perspective these sections are all a combination of all of that right it's stuff that happened in game it's stuff that explains transitions between events that happened in game and then there's this level of unknown material which falls into sort of that 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 transition stuff as well that helps flush all of that out um like it, it I know it sounds it may sound a little weird to say but like to me like when you read chronicle that's kind of what its point is This yeah, is, I'm going to say this that is one compli- and three
0: This is a compilation
1: of canon lore material. Yeah, I'm going to say none of it is filler though.
2: No. It doesn't like
1: if well anything, filler
2: depends on if you no, define no. it as a bad word or not.
1: Here's my thing. The reason I'm going to say it's not filler is because if anything they cut stuff out to save time and space rather than they put a lot of stuff into fill space sure filler, that's what filler is filler is there to fill space uh, see, that's not
2: this. this this is where we go to the, the 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 earlier conversation for me filler for me is just a gap filler right not not a bad but there's thing, no like gap there's... to fill
1: it's not there's no
0: okay wait stop before we get too far into this i think that shad may have just chosen a word yeah, that yeah. maybe didn't relate it's well, maybe way, not necessarily which parts are filler, but which parts are expanding on stuff. Like, they're filling sure. in. Sort yeah, of like when we were talking about Moira, they filled in her stuff. Um, that's yeah. what I'm... That's I what think I'm thinking, that's... Yeah. yeah, I think that's what he's asking is which ones are which on the... Or he or she, I'm sorry, Shad. Um, which ones... Which specific instances in the book is, is that kind of, a con- of content? And I... That would require dissecting the entire book.
1: <laughs> yeah, just in general, since you, as Anne pointed out, you can't play World of Warcraft the, the original classic stuff. You can't play it right now. It's all stuff that's not in the game. Like even even the the old world we get now is a Cataclysm forward world. Yeah. So all the, the stuff where you go and see Moira's life, no, the, the first time you'll get to see Moira, she's already in Ironforge. So yeah, um, pretty much everything up to Cataclysm. Well, the, world, you know, the Wrath of the Lich King stuff is in Wrath of Lich King and the Burning Crusade stuff is in the Burning Crusade zones, but Vanilla WoW is currently not there. So, yeah, don't worry about it.
0: I wouldn't be too concerned with it. Okay, our next email is from Epic Skills, who um, has a question that isn't necessarily related to Chronicle 3, but it is, uh, who says, I'll keep it short. I've listened to all available audiobooks up to Tides of War in chronological lore order. So my question is in Wolfheart. Mayev is a bad guy, quote unquote, but in Legion, it's not mentioned what she did. Is the resolution yet to come in another book or was it a retcon of sorts? And the reason that I brought up this particular email is because Mayev is also mentioned in Chronicle 3. They go over her story. They go over all of the stuff, but you know how we were saying that sometimes they left stuff out? They left out a lot of stuff Stuff from Maiev, and I don't know if you guys noticed this or not, but a lot of the shady stuff that she did in Warcraft Three and the stuff that she did in Wolfheart, it's just not mentioned here.
2: Yep, that that's always bothered me, actually.
0: Yeah, particularly she, isn't the, the last bit...
2: time they
1: talk about her, basically the stuff she did during Burning Crusade. Like that's the yeah. last thing I could find. On that's her. the
0: last thing they mention about her. But I mean, like the bit where she just sort of let. Taronda get washed down a river and said oh no she's lost we need to go find Malfurion and just let her drown we don't care and kept right on going like and, and kind of tricked Malfurion into believing that Taronda was dead until you know I mean, K- Kael'thas it, opened his the- mouth and said oh wait but don't you mean that girl that was washed down the river
2: <laughs> wasn't there also like the wholesale murder of just like darnassian highborn mages too uh
0: well they weren't darnassian they were they were the chendralar that were visiting well, yeah, but yeah, then yeah. there was also the attempted the attempted assassination of malfurion storm rage that all and took jared, place right? yeah that all took place in <laughs> wolfheart i don't did she try to kill jared i don't think she I tried think, to kill I think jared
2: she, no i think she no. almost accidentally killed him or something like that she didn't
0: want to mm-hmm. kill him because he's her brother and she likes him um, yep,
1: when Jared showed up in Wolfheart, that's when she was like, OK, I'm out. I'm not going to fight yeah. you. I can't so. fight
0: you. I'm not going to kill you. So I'm I'm getting out of here while the getting's good. And while other events in Wolfheart were mentioned in Chronicle three, those particular that particular set of circumstances was not. Um, and this is one of the things that I talked about in the, the whole not quite retcon category because they didn't they didn't retcon it. They didn't say she was doing they something They just kind of didn't talk they about it. They just didn't They didn't mention it. They just but omitted that part.
2: But that's always bothered me. Like, even throughout Legion, too, like, it just, it bothered me that, like, this is just kind of like we're not going to talk about the elephant in the room with her at all. Really? Seriously? Ugh. Selective, selective night elf memory, I guess.
0: Here's my problem with that. Um, I really liked Wolfheart. I liked it a lot. Uh, honestly, out of all of the books that Richard Knack wrote, I think that's probably my favorite one. Um, yeah. I loved the scenes between Varian and Anduin. Um, I loved all of the stuff going on with Maiev because honestly, it made perfect sense from her perspective. How far removed was she from Night Elf Society? What had happened in Night Elf Society while she was off on Outland and whatever, you know, this whole... The Night Elves, the kaldorei, joining the Alliance and, and coming out of that whole seclusion that they had pretty much spent 10,000 years in, it was a little bit off-putting. And then allowing mages, like arcane mages, back into Night Elf society especially after what they had so done. Long.
2: Well, not only that, especially after hunting Illidan for how long? She'd been hunting Illidan
0: for what he had done and... As far as she's concerned, I think Mayev was kind of living in that space where she was living in that space that was the fallout from the War of the Ancients. And she had been living in that space for 10,000 years. And it wasn't something that she was willing to put aside. And she couldn't comprehend why Tyrande or Malfurion would do the same.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Plus, it's, if you look at stuff we've seen since, um, one of the things about Maiev... <laughs> in Legion, is that the Vault of the Wardens was revealed. Yeah. And she was in it when we found it. So clearly, the Wardens more or less removed themselves from Night Elf society and built themselves a bastion on the Broken Isles, like right near Suramar. They were right there. They were not even close to their own society. They were, like, they. Were, it, it's perfectly situated to be, like, completely out of touch with what's going on with the Night Elves because you're not there. You're not in... You're not anywhere near Darnassus. I mean Darnassus didn't even exist until well after like there's of course Maya would be Maev surprised. Maiev
0: wasn't there when when Teldrassil was created.
1: No. That, right. Like what is this she giant gone. tree? What happened to the other tree? Oh, Malfurion blew it up. What? Like, you know, I mean, she probably would have known about that since she's, you know, she was there for Warcraft 3.
2: She was. But yeah.
1: It's like, you know, Malfurion blew up the world tree and got rid of our immortality and now you've got a new tree. what we just have another one? this one's even bigger. I don't what are you people doing why did do... Where did these ruins come Look, from? It took
0: ten thousand years for Nordrassil to get that big. I mean it was big to begin with, but it got real big, and then we blew it up and now we have another tree that's bigger than that one, and I've only been gone for what ten years, maybe. <laughs> How did, did that
1: happen? you know also, I, I do feel like I need to put in the part where you killed my followers. I mean, you know yeah. the whole thing with her and Toronto like does need to get addressed. Uh, it's, I honestly they throw in a really brief mention by Jared where he's like, let's not talk about that now. Where he literally... Jared might as well turn to the screen and say... We're not going to talk about that now, players. It's like... I mean, you
0: know. Yeah, it's like there was a moment... There was a beat there where he should have turned to the camera... And had one of those Jim from the office expressions well, didn't on he, his face.
2: You didn't know? he literally say in game, like, that's all in the past? Like, and that was their way of sweeping it under the rug or whatever?
0: Yeah, he, w- he was like, <laughs> like let's yeah. not talk about that right now. That's in the past. And I swear to God, yeah, he should have had one of those... Look to the camera, Jim from the office...
2: <laughs> looks. Or or Morgan or Morgan Freeman voiceover. Yeah, what Jared really meant was, you know, like,
0: <laughs> or just the Ron Howard voiceover from Arrested Development. <laughs> That's all in the past. It wasn't. But anyway, <laughs> regardless, <laughs> they did, They chose not to dive into that in Chronicle Three. Now, there's a couple of reasons that they may not have chosen to dive into that. First of all. They wanted to sweep it under the rug and they don't want to think about it. Okay, all right, I guess that's valid if they wanted to do that. I don't think that's what they're doing, though, because they didn't make it a retcon. Like, they didn't give her something else to do in absence of what she had been doing in the book and in the games and everything they just didn't talk about it and I think the reason they didn't talk about it is because when you say yeah and then Mayev tried to assassinate Malfurion that immediately makes the reader go oh I need to hear more about that like explain that You can't just put that out there in two sentences and then just leave it. It requires more explanation. And there's only so many pages in this book. And there's only so much material that they can cover. So I think that some of these more difficult situations, you'll notice one of the other things that they did in here was uh, with Garrosh Hellscream. They didn't talk about Garrosh's kind of, you know, butting heads with Thrall on and off. And they didn't talk about his really aggressive kind of stance in... They kind of downplayed his aggression in Wrath of the Lich King. Um, And they didn't talk about what happened out in the woods with the Druids and how Cairn blamed Garrosh for that and that's what led to that Magora. Like, none of that was mentioned. Because, again, it's like extra space. And they don't have that extra space to kind of expand on that. I think that's what we're running into here. Not really a retcon. Um, so I wouldn't, you know, Epic Skills was asking about whether or not this was a retcon. I don't think it's a retcon. I think it's just one of those situations where they're not quite sure how to deal with it. I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh,
1: I think part of the problem is is that Maev would have had more of a role in Legion, mm-hmm. except her voice actress. And this is totally like understandable. Her voice actress basically had a really bad throat problem. She had to have surgery, and she was out of commission for a while. I don't know if you guys notice, the Maya voice is not her normal voice. No. Yep. It's, she really has
2: to strain.
1: Like, I'm just straining. I'm not, that doesn't sound like Maya. But she's seriously, like, she, when she's talking, she was at BlizzCon, and she's just talking. And she's got a perfectly lovely, normal-speaking voice. And then she switches to Maya and it's like wow that's like two registers lower than her normal voice.
0: It's two registers lo- yeah. lower and it sounds like she's putting her vocal cords through a garbage disposal like that's not easy to do at all. No so
2: in in that makes a lot of sense. I've 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 talked with a lot of voice actors in the past and like those are the roles that they love and hate right like it it stretches them but like it takes a toll.
1: <laughs> and so. so she she had basically had an injury and she couldn't do the voice which meant that Maya had to get Backpedals like you notice yeah. that Maiev is very prevalent in the uh, Broken Shore part of the, the expansion, the Tomb of Sargeras. She's involved in the Cathedral of Eternal Night dungeon. She's present, and then she doesn't show up anymore. You don't get to see any more of her. We she don't get to talk. She
0: doesn't do the Argus thing or anything, and she doesn't see the end of Illidan because she couldn't.
1: Yeah, so and it
0: wasn't anything to do with stuff in game. It was stuff outside of the game, like that unfortunate side effect of having somebody who's not who can't luckily she's okay like she had the surgery and everything and she's fine now it just means that those particular moments we didn't get those which is unfortunate
1: but things happen you know so i think i think they were planning to do more with maiev
2: in this they just couldn't yeah
1: yeah so they had to make some changes and that's understandable that kind of means however that we didn't get to see what they were going to do like we don't know
2: now that said, if if a, a book were to be produced by somebody who, you know, maybe wants to tell the untold story of Maeve during Legion, I would not be upset.
0: Yeah, can we bring Knack back in to do that one? Because he did a really good job with her in Wolf Art. Like, I really liked her treatment in Wolf. He stepped up his game so much in Wolf Art. And when I say that it was my favorite book that he's done, it's because Knack always had this thing, like back when I first read like the War of the Ancients trilogy and then you go and you read something like Lord of the Clans, right? Each, uh, Golden and Knack were pretty much the two authors that they had on on tabs to do these books at that point. And there was a very big difference between the two of them. Christie had this really strong grasp of dialogue and like interpersonal character. Like you really felt things for these characters. And... Richard Knack, he was really good at the descriptive part. Like, he could put you in a place and make you feel like you were there, but you didn't necessarily have the same connection to the characters because his was more like sweeping fantasy epic than.
2: I would expect nothing less from the people, from the person who wrote the Dragonlance novels. Exactly. You know, just throwing right? that out there. A
0: lot of that has to do with the background, but he's very good at what he does. And some mm-hmm. of my favorite early stuff that he did was like Day of the Dragon. I really like Day of the Dragon because he kind of stepped out of that whole massive sprawling fantasy thing that we got with the War of the Ancients trilogy. And instead we got Ronan, who was this upstart dude. And there was a lot of dialogue in there that I was really kind of fond of. I was like, okay, I I can get behind this. Well, when he came out with Wolfheart, it was like, I don't, I don't know what happened. Like somebody flipped a switch or something because he went from, he he just stepped up his game. He got a little bit of Christie in that book.
2: Well, I think I think one of the 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 key things is M- M- Maeve, Maeve was a darker character in that book, right? She was a darker and,
0: character, but I mean, I'm also talking think, about like the interplay between Varian and Anduin. Some of the a, dialogue that he wrote for that was just like, "Whoa!" Like you but felt where,
2: this things. is where I will this is where I will <laughs> actually give him credit though, because that's the type of story if you go back and read some of his older books. Yeah, that he he sort of does incredibly incredibly well he does court intrigue well he does sort of that dynamic of father and son well uh and he does sort of the dark hero very well and so i'm fine with that like that that, that i think wolfhart was the perfect showcase of those talents um and yes i would say you know this is one of those few things where as much as i've been very vocal about my dislike of, of a lot of his stuff um yes bring him back for this bring him back for a may of book absolutely i would read it I, I would
0: love to see him do one just based on her and what she'd been up to. You know, that kind of thing. Um, I don't know if it's something that they have on the table, but it'd be cool to see. Rossi, did you have anything to add? I'm sorry.
1: Uh, no, basically, I, I would like to see what she's up to. I don't know that I want to book for it. I would like to, her to have a role in the next expansion. But that's because of my whole thing where we're, we're, we're going to see stuff happen to the Night Elves. That's traumatic. And they and need that's a point where ste- she
0: would absolutely feel justified in stepping
1: in, honestly. yeah, And can yeah. You, I can imagine there being a moment where she says, enough, we've had 10,000 years of, of this and it has led us to this moment. Uh, we need something else. And I'd like to see them do more with it, with her. Because here's, yeah. here's
0: my thing. And again, you know, I haven't really delved into the Battle for Azroth spoilers, so I don't know the circumstances. And honestly, with spoilers, this is all material that hasn't been released yet. So those circumstances, those data mine circumstances could change at this point. But here's what I'm seeing from Maev, and this is how I kind of interpret the character. She's very much old school, like Fandral was old school. Where night elves were night elves. They were the best. They were better when they were hidden away. It wasn't until Malfurion and Taranda did this whole thing where it was like, we need to be out in the world and we need to be talking to people and we we need to ally with the Alliance and we need to do. Once the night elves. You could argue that the worst thing that ever happened to Calderay society was allying with the Alliance because as soon as they did that. Stuff, all hit downhill the fan. From there. <laughs> Stuff hit the fan in a major way. I mean, okay, the war of the ancients like split the world and all of this, but they had 10,000 years there where they had things under control. They were secluded. They were kind of remote. They were off doing their own thing, but they were doing it competently and they were doing it in a way where, you know, things didn't really get out of hand or anything. And then the Horde shows up. That was problem number one. Then the Alliance shows up. That's problem number two. And then Medivh shows up, and that's problem number three, because all three of those, he's like, you guys need to hold hands and work together to fight the Burning Legion. Okay, they get the Burning Legion out of there, and then Tyrande turns around and says, let's go ahead and join the Alliance, because these guys are cool. And those Horde people are still tearing apart our forest down there. So we need help with that. But, like, for Maiev... A character who again exists in this space where she was kind of remote and removed and in the Barrow dance and who knows how much contact she really had with Tyrande or the other leadership or anything like that as far as she was concerned she had one job and she was doing it really well until Tyrande showed up and let the dude go and she kept trying to do that one job and do it really well and she went all the way to Outland to do that job and then she finally got rid of him and meanwhile, all this chaos is going on. Meanwhile, Toronto and Malfurion are like, you know what? We allied with the Alliance. Let's go ahead and bring these mages back into Night Elf Society. I mean, that wasn't that bad back during the War of the Ancients. And Maiev is just standing there, like, tearing her hair out, going, do you guys even realize? Like, do you remember what happened the last time we did things with mages? Because I do. Because I was there. And... I dedicated my life to this cause of being a warden because of what happened back then. You letting these people back into Night Elf society is like telling me that my life and everything that I have dedicated my life to doing means nothing.
2: And that, that what I sacrifice to protect our people is nothing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that... This whole bit with Teldrassil is the perfect point for her to point a finger and say, "I told you so." <laughs> I mean, look, I told I'd love, you, I'd love her. I to step told you and... so, and I would love to see her come in and get involved in that fashion. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I would love to see it.
1: I think it makes perfect sense because you know, 10,000 10, years ago, Iloon um, made a decision. Oh yeah, and in picked Taronda and, and Maev by all rights, may had every reason to expect it would be her.
0: She was Mayf in a had, position where it could have been her just as easily. It,
1: more so, because my, Tyrande was a minor, you know, she was she a was minor a priestess. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was a novice. Yeah. May had been a priestess for quite some time. I think she was effect, effectively the second to the, the current high priestess. I can't remember her name at the moment. I'm sorry. Uh, but she had every reason to believe it was going to be her who got picked. Yeah, I think it is was Denali. I
2: I'm don't remember.
1: Sure. That's the problem. But, yeah, she had every reason to think she was going to be High Priestess of Alun, and Alun just didn't pick her. And ne- it's not like Alun ever said anything to her about it. It's not like she had any reason to believe she was doing anything to displease they did the not goddess. Have the, they did not have the goddess on speed dial or anything. No, exactly. <laughs> so her entire life got taken away from her. And she gets put into this new role that she didn't particularly want, but accepted. 'Cause Illidan tried to kill her brother, so and she's she like She threw all right.
0: herself into it, like, with everything she had.
1: Oh yeah, she totally I, I think that's telling, like, I'd love to see a book that explains like why was the Vault of the Wardens so far away from Night Elf lands? Why did they take it all the way over there? There it's not like there's any particular reason for it to be there other than she just decided to put it there.
2: Well, I mean, there might be a reason though, if you think about it, like Exactly what, that's what
1: what would the reason be? I want to see a book that talks about, I'd love a book that is Maya's story from start yeah. to finish. Yeah. Uh, not just what she doing now, but a book that goes back to like what she became and how she became it and what she dealt. Cause
0: blizzard, you, you remember the blizzard, if you're listening, have knack, write it, call it shadow song. You're welcome. Okay. Go ahead.
1: Just like, you know, when you, when you read the, uh, the, the Illidan book, um, Maya in that book is really fascinating. She's an interesting character. And one of the things about her that's interesting is that she gets more and more monomaniacally focused as the thing progresses. And Illidan's – the pursuit of Illidan becomes so all-important that she blunders. And she makes – like it, it, Chronicle covers it a little bit, so I'm tying it back to Chronicle here. Yeah. But it's that moment where she, like, she thinks, she, I've got him. I have him. And then it doesn't work and, you know, her her watchers get slaughtered and she's left alone. And that to her – like, her watchers are all-important to her. When she comes back, like, when you see her in the, the the Legion audiobook, like, the audio play, and she's got, like, she's leading her, you know, and she, and she hears, like, when um, Kagar shows up, and she's like, what happened to my Watcher? You know, why is she now... They are her family. Yeah. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of stress that she's been through over the years. The fact that Taranda killed them, like, the fact that, that Maya didn't immediately just plain attack Taronda is a is an is an example of massive self restraint. Yeah, I mean, granted, Maya, you know, letting Toronto be hybrid...
0: swept down a river after that—that that was probably, you know,
1: oops, oops,
0: you oh know. no, the bridge I would, collapsed.
1: I would, oh well, have been surprised. see have like kick her her hand off the bridge, you know, or step on her, her fingers. <laughs> Long
2: live the king. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Pull because a line that was just... moment
1: was just crazy like that she killed you know she killed her wardens you know so there's a lot going on with the character I would like to see more but I would like to see it in game if at all possible not that there's anything wrong with a new novel but I want to see like I don't want to see it in the game like an entirety of her history that's what a novel's for sure but I want to see like forward momentum Impact, in, right yeah, yeah. I want to see her doing stuff because I, I really have thought for a long time now if we get anything from this One of the things I'd love to get is forward momentum for the Night Elves. Because after after Legion, after Illidan's off on his space trip, they need to deal with the future that they've been putting off for 10,000 years. It's arrived. It's here. And they have to start dealing with it.
0: Yeah. They kind of ended their seclusion, but they never really stepped into the world. They've just been kind of waiting for the world to come to them, I think. And that hasn't been working out so well for the Calderay. I mean, look at Darkshore. (laughs) It's just not working well. (laughs) None of it is working well. Anyway, regardless, we're kind of over time here. So we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. We do have a couple of emails that we didn't get to, but that's okay. We'll carry them over to next time. Um, Speaking of next time... We might actually be talking about Overwatch because they just released the retribution comic yes! and coming out. Yes. And I feel like we're due for another Overwatch lore episode. I don't know how you guys feel about that.
2: I mean, I-, I could I could certainly be persuaded. I mean
0: Rossi, are you cool with that idea?
1: I don't get why you want to do an entire lore watch about me wearing pajamas, but okay. <laughs>
0: If you guys are interested, we'll probably be at least touching on Overwatch lore some with the next podcast we might actually um, spend the whole episode on that maybe answer the couple of uh, chron- leftover chronicle questions from this week so if you have any overwatch lore related questions please send those to podcast at blizzardwatch.com and put lore watch in the subject line so that we know that it's intended for this show um, we'll be talking about retribution we'll probably be talking about like the history of uprising we'll be talking about Brigitta because we didn't really I don't think we talked about her very much in lore watch from that kind of a perspective Um, Basically, if you have a question about Overwatch story... This would, be the, this would be the time to go ahead and submit that. So again, that's podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Put Lorewatch in the subject line so we know it's intended for the show. Blizzardwatch. It's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzardwatch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question on, answered on their podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And for you guys, listeners of Lorewatch... Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You can download, eh, I think, most of Blizzard's titles, but there's also a host of other titles as well at blizzardwatch.com slash audible. Um, we mentioned Wolfheart. Wolfheart is one of those audiobooks. Um, I think Illidan is still available there. I'm pretty sure Tides of War is still available there. All of the novels That have audiobook versions. They're available on Audible. So if you want to check that out. You can help support the show. That's blizzardwatch.com slash audible. Final thoughts you guys. And this doesn't have anything to do with Chronicle 3. I'm going to actually change gears for a second here. And talk about the fact that. We finally got the contents. Of the Battle for Azeroth. Physical Collector's Edition. One of the things that's coming with it. Is not an art book. As we've gotten with every other Collector's Edition. We get a dual-sided novella and one half of it is written by christy golden the other half is written by robert brooks one half concerns the alliance the other half concerns the horde what do you guys think about trading the art book for a novella are you guys cool with that or do you wish we still had the art book or what joe go ahead you're already talking
2: (laughs) yeah i'm sorry i I, that actually kind of I appreciate it, but I also wish that the art book would have stayed in there and that the novella would have been an offering individual or separate from it, um, simply because I'm one of those people that, like, now I'm going to have to get the physical collector's edition um, unless they're offering it by itself in a separate format, because keep
0: in mind that the novella will also be available on the website. Like it, a digital version yeah. will be available. It's just you won't get the fancy hardcover copy by but itself.
2: need the fancy hardcover copy. I know, right? <laughs> but I, it's one of those things where it's like I, I was really happy in my digital space, and I was like, oh, I got the digital stuff. I'm good. and then I'll just buy the art book separate or you know whatever. Um but I mean, I appreciate that they're they're changing it up, but I also kind of feel like I wish the art book would have still been in there personally.
1: What about you, Rossi? Uh, The Night Elf blank should have killed the blank blank that he confronted, um, and I don't like that he didn't. I've already read (laughs) part of the story.
0: Yeah, there are Um, excerpts available online for both of these.
1: But, uh, I don't know. I mean, the art book has been coming out since the original. Like, I've got all the collector's editions except vanilla, because I don't know. And I, I have all these art books, and I really like them. But on the other hand it's, it's lore. So that's good. I like lore. I I, I do. Now I'm like, are they not, not going to do an art book at all? Like I get that. Then that's not going to be in the collections edition, but does that mean there's not going to be an art book? Cause I, I like the art book. If they, if there was I given an option seeing to
0: concept art.
1: Yeah. If it was given an option to buy the art book, I absolutely would. So yeah, I'm not sure.
0: Yeah. I'm kind of hoping that they either a release. The art book as a separate edition that you can just sort of purchase on its own because, um, like I said, I love seeing the concept art, and visually, the way that Battle for Azeroth looks right now, um, just the stark differences between Kul Tiras and Zandalar, both of them are absolutely beautiful, and I would love to see a, a compilation of the concept art and, and the pieces and the paintings and stuff that went into it, released as, either as its own volume, or if they wanted to like put a gallery on the website, I'd be all for that, too. I would go surfing through that for, like, reference photos and or pictures and things. Um, either one of those would be cool. I am not going to diss the fact that there is a novel or a novella, two novellas <laughs> in the collector's yeah, edition, Yeah, I though. mean,
1: yeah. that's. And I mean, you know, one of them is lore. Christy
0: Golden and the other one is Robert Brooks. And both of these people have been writing stories for Blizzard for quite some time now and they're very good at what they do. So uh, I'm cool with that. But yeah, I miss the art book. It's okay. It's all right. Um, either which way. Even if you don't buy the Collector's Edition, the novella will be available to read digitally. Um, it's just if you want that beautiful physical hardcover copy edition with the gorgeous cover, you're going to have to get the physical Collector's Edition, which also comes with a double-sided like and Alliance emblem that looks like you could probably murder somebody with it or at the very least knock them out. It looks very large, ponderous, and heavy. <laughs> so it may be worth picking up just for that too, because uh this is the first time we've gotten like a display piece in a collector's edition too. It's pretty cool. Anyway, that wraps us up for Lore Watch. Like we said, next time we'll probably be talking about the lore of Overwatch. So if you've got your Overwatch questions, Overwatch lore questions, please feel free to go ahead and send those in. Thank you so much you guys for listening as always, and we will see you again in two weeks. The cat